Hi everybody, I'm Jim Ford. And I'm Chad Bokelman. And this is what the Lantern Cast presents Elseworlds? It's it's uh, episode four, but it's a shame that you don't know that. <laughs> well, I, I, I can't remember if we went with the same exact opening or modified it or whatever. Listen, <laughs> go easy. It's been like two months. <laughs> <laughs> so technically we aren't caught up. We've been saying for a few episodes that we're caught up now, but we're not caught up because we said we'd do this once a month. Uh, we're, we're caught up with the main books. Uh, okay, so now I, I everybody's been wondering, would they be going with Evil's Might or would they be going with the Dragon Lord? It was a false choice because there was still another one we had to do that was specifically Green Lantern related, and we just totally forgot about it. <laughs> Which one? A Superman, Last Son of Earth. <laughs> oh, wait, that's it? That's the last Green Lantern specific one there is? Besides Dragon Lord, I'm pretty sure. Hmm. And after that, we'll cover the uh, our favorite Superman issue. Okay. All that other stuff. Sounds good. Okay. Yeah, so... Uh... We ended up choosing, dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, Chad? Evil's Might. Yes. Evil's Might, the three-issue prestige format Elseworlds series, written by a a collaboration between Howard Chaikin and... uh, Someone whose last name is Tishman. Yeah, uh, David Tishman. There you go. I, uh, I didn't know his first name for a second. Uh, and it's penciled by Marshall Rogers, um, inker John Caballero, and uh, colorist Chris Chuckery. So uh, you want to jump into this? We should, but before we get started, I have I have to tell you about a little trip to the comic book store I made just a few hours ago. Okay. Because I went to the comic book store and I was gonna pick up a whole bunch of like issues, like Green Green Lantern, Emerald Warriors number seven, the new Flash issue, blah blah blah. Well, then I came across this little gem of a sale they were having on some old school back issues, and uh, you'll never guess what issue I picked up for twenty bucks. It's the second series, the Silver Age series of Green Lantern, and it, it is a forebearer so to speak, of the Elseworlds. Would, would you like to take a guess at what the what issue I picked up? Okay, this is the second series, uh-huh. a forebear of the Elseworlds. Well, so, is second series, is that is that the Silver Age? Like, Does that include the first appearance of Hal Jordan? Yes. Okay, okay, then yes, second series. Forebear of the Elseworlds. Uh, was this the issue... It's like Green Lantern trivia all over again. Is this the issue where they showed like what would happen if Krypton had not exploded? It, it is not, and I believe that was in a backup tale. It's not an it's not an alternate history. It's it's one of the stories that led to the invention of the Elseworld, like the multiple the, the multiverse basically. Which basically Elseworlds comes from the multiverse right this stuff is different earths different stories in some in some ways like you were saying the uh, uh in darkest night that that batman gl amalgam was from like earth 32 or something yeah well the i guess it would be more accurate to say this is what gave helped give birth to the multiverse okay well that would be the uh the first teaming up between hal jordan and alan scott 
Green Lantern number 40. I got that for 20 bucks. That's awesome. Now, is that the same issue that was in the Brightest Day trade? I I don't know. I don't own that trade. Wow, that was a great trade, actually. But this is this is the first appearance of Krona. This is the first time Hal Jordan and Alan Scott met up. And this is supposedly called the secret origin of the Guardians. Now, I'm not sure if this is the first time we ever saw the Guardians in Green Lantern. But this is this is the first origin we've ever heard of the Guardians. What issue number? Issue number 40. And it's not in perfect condition, but it is not bad at all. Yes, this is the story that was in the Brightest Day trade. Okay. Okay. I knew that one day, whether I was buying the omnibuses or I, co- I completed a collection of the uh, uh, the archive editions, that someday I would have a reprint of this. But the fact that I own the original is just, I love it. I love it so much, <laughs> having the original copy. That's awesome. I just thought I'd throw, I, th- I thought I'd throw, I, I, like, it was, I just, I put everything else back because I only had so much to spend. And I was like, 20 bucks for this thing, I'm down. <laughs> they actually, they have like a, 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 a graded copy in the store that's like 100, 275 bucks, something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's like 7.5, 8.0 or something like that. Very cool. Yeah. The, well, the, the introduction of the multiverse was actually um, created so that they could bring back the characters from the, silver, from the Golden Age. Now, I was researching the multiverse earlier, and it said something about the first, the first kind of story like that was in Wonder Woman, which I'm not sure about that. But I also – the only one I know for sure is Flash number 123. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not really sure about the Wonder Woman one. Yeah. But – uh. Like, later on, they, you know, because when they started, like, looking at all the different universes, that that basically, yeah, that, that did kind of set it up as far as, you know, okay, well, in this one, there's a black Superman, and on this one, you know, it's all the Charleston heroes, so that they could merge everybody into one universe. But I guess, yeah, that did spark the idea that there were alternate universes, and then they ran with that with the Elseworlds. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Heck yes. Very well, cool. it, and it's because it's the first appearance of Corona. Corona is the one who caused the the fact that there is a multiverse now. So, well, is, that was the first. The, the, the ex, I've never read Crisis. Well, no, that no, that was that was the first explanation up until they uh, they came out with Ganthet's tale. That's true. So. so Green Green Lantern has played a pivotal role in the existence of the multiverse. Adam Murdo can confirm it, I'm sure. Well, yeah, like Green Lantern has it, it provided the uh, catalyst, the origin. Okay. Of you know, like the the backstory to the the multiverse. Whereas I think I'm pretty sure Flash introduced it. I, I'm not. I'm not, I don't know about this Wonder Woman thing. Like maybe they wrote something and somebody says, "Oh, that's like a multiverse thing," but in actuality, they had no idea what they were doing. Yeah, I don't know. Well, but I thought I'd throw that out there. I, it was my—it's my recent acquirement, and I'm very happy to have it. Very cool. So, okay, so for tonight we're talking about Evil's Might, and uh, we already gave you the creative team. Now, some of you might be cringing because we said Howard Chaykin, uh, <laughs> and you—you you, you all know, you know, the review from. Uh, don't say it. The book 
that shall not be named. <laughs> that rhymes with schmishmatterol schmamage. Um, <laughs> and, you know, like, it, it has its it has its points, but, uh, well, Dan was a little bit more verbal than me. <laughs> anyway, we have Howard Chaikin, who, you know, he's, he's a very, very renowned artist, but in this case, he doesn't do art at all. It's all this guy Rogers. And then the other name on the writing is uh, Tishman. I keep forgetting his first name. David Tishman. And for me personally, the, the, the first time and I think only time that I've ever read David Tishman before was Star Trek The Next Generation, The Space Between Number One. This was the this was something from uh, 2007 or so, and I believe it was IDW that had just gotten the license to uh, to do Green uh, not Green Lantern. They had just gotten the license to do Star Trek, and what they were going to be doing was telling stories set between the seasons from the original you know the Next Generation TV series. So I was very excited about this. Like, when Star Trek had been coming out in the past, I never really paid any attention to it. And so here, all of a sudden, Star Trek was coming out as a comic book again. And at this point, I had watched a lot of Star Trek now. So now I'm interested. It's like, okay, they're starting this up. They got a good concept. I want to check this out. So I got the first issue. And, you know, David Tishman, the writer... And the issue was horrible. Now, he told, like, an entire story in one issue, which, I mean, I think, you know, that that's probably the first problem, trying to fit too much into one issue. Uh, and if I went back and read it again, like, I don't know, I might have a more understanding view of it. But at the time, it was just like there were so many plot holes in the story. So Tishman wrote it too? Yeah, he wrote it. Well, yeah, Tishman is the writer. Oh, oh, sorry. Jenkins and got... Tishman were the co-writers. Okay, sorry, my bad. Mm -hmm. I thought he was the artist for some reason. Yeah, so, like, after, you know, reading that, that issue, it was just like, this is horrible. I don't want to read Star Trek comics anymore. And I stopped. And I have not picked up another Star Trek comic since then. He, like, he poisoned me on wanting to read Star Trek. So, you know, it's just like, if I saw his name attached to anything, you know, or even if I saw a name that looked like his, and in my head it reminded me of him, I'm like, oh, gotta stay away from that. That actually happened with something else, like a year or two later. And then when I found out that it wasn't the same guy, I, I was able to pick it up. But, I, I mean, like, this, it just was horrible. So now, all of a sudden, we, we're like, oh, time to do Evil's Might. And you have this collaborative team of Jake and Tishman. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God. It's like, you know, Comageddon. It's going to be like, you know, this has the potential to be one of the worst things I've ever read. And it wasn't. Is so basically what you're saying is Tishman is could could have written like the coolest series or shit ever before or after that Star Trek, but because your exposure to him is limited to that Star Trek issue, besides this Evil's Might stuff, you don't 
you have a negative stigma attached to anything with his name on it. Yes, basically. So, so basically, if anyone's only exposure to James Robinson was the Dark Things JLA stuff, they could have the same. It, it, Tishman is your Robinson. Um, I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I guess that's you know similar enough to to say the only the only thing that that saved James Robinson for me was the fact that I had just read that Starman 81 issue where he brought, he like resuscitated the dead series for the shade issue. Yeah. Like it was one of the blackest night tie-ins and I love that. Oh, that one. Okay. Yeah. That I read that. I, I thought that was absolutely like fantastic. And I'm like, wow, this guy, James Robinson, you know, he really does some good stuff. Actually. I think he did like a bunch of like really good stories on Superman also. I don't know about that. I do know I, – I, I actually, in the comic book shop today, I saw Omnibus for the Starman series 2 through 6, and I was I was going to actually pick up the first Omnibus, but they didn't have it, so I didn't get it. Yeah. But I, I, I am trying desperately to work past my hatred of Robinson <laughs> because I don't like having what, – like what you had for Tishman for so long. I don't like that. I, I like to be open-minded, and I am letting my my only exposure to Robinson that I know of cloud my judgment of this creator. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, to be fair, oh my god, no. What? <laughs> He's been writing the True Blood comic. Tishman? Yeah. Are you reading that or something? Well, I'm not reading it, but I was picking up the first couple of issues to, you know, try and read to Lauren. Oh. Uh, after, like, the first two issues, like, I'm just like, ah, I'll wait for the trade. But, uh, oh, wow. Yeah, I guess that's the first real thing that I've been curious about from him since, uh, oh, wow. He also did JLA, the Secret Society of Superheroes. That was another Elseworlds tale. Huh. Huh. We should probably cover the issues. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Now... Green Lantern, Evil's Might. You have the uh, the uh, three issue series. First issue, uh, simple enough. It uh, it establishes all the characters. Um, this is what what is the time period that this is set in? I, I can't believe I forgot to look this up. This I believe this is the industrial age. Yeah, though this is like Boss Tweed and nineteenth uh, uh, Tammany Hall, nineteenth century with the uh, basically. Um, God, I hope this is the right movie. Gangs of New York. Exactly. G have you seen Gangs of New York? This is when this is happening. I don't want to spoil the ending, but on the, um, okay. It's, uh, somebody in this issue dies in 1888. So, the, around, the, it's it's the year of 1888. Okay, so, so yeah, so that's, that's around the, the time period. Yeah, the late 1800s. And, uh. Like like Chad said, it's like this is basically like reading Gangs of New York, only I would say a little bit more bright and cheerful, and featuring a Green Lantern. Uh, mm. You know, you have the the whole opening. It uh it establishes all the characters. You have a Kyle Rayner. You have an Alan Scott who's much younger than yeah Alan Scott in the you know current comics. You have a Hal Jordan, a Carol Ferris. And then you have, you know, the, the big characters like Boss Tweed, 
um, Carol's father is Ed Ferris. You know, you have a whole bunch of Irish people, and uh, in in this first issue, Kyle Rayner ends up getting a, a magic lantern and a magic ring. He, you know, figures out that uh, it can, you know, do lots of magical things, and he's gonna he's gonna do something to to make right. Now, also in this issue, we find out that Kyle Rayner is part of the, uh, what, what do they call him, the Bowery Green? Uh, reverse that. The Green Bowery? I believe so. Yeah, the, the Green Bowery, and they're like, a, like a, a gang of thugs that goes around, and uh, they basically charge people um, a fee every week so that they don't, you know, beat you and kill you. You know, it's like, like the Mafia with their, you know, tributes and things like that. And Kyle Rayner is part of this, you know, this this group with, you know, Alan Scott being the, the head. And, uh, you know, Kyle, he, he doesn't want to be a part of it. He, you know, he feels bad for the, the people that get beatings. You know, he's, he's like helping them after, you know, the other guys have gone. He's like, yeah, I'm going to stick around for a minute. And he helps his pawnbroker, you know, help clean up his shop. That, uh, you know, they just started busting through. And, uh, you know, that's how he ends up acquiring the lantern. You know, he's able to pick one free thing from, you know, the pawn shop for, for helping out and sticking up for the guy's life. Carol Ferris is uh, trying to get women the, the right to vote and uh, not having a lot of luck at this point. You know, also in this, after uh, Kyle finds out that, you know, this ring is magic, he starts investigating at the library, but can't really figure figure out anything about it. There's a, a newspaper going on. Um, the uh, I, do, I know they used to call newspapers the graphics. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, they call this one the graphic. This, oh. one, this newspaper actually is called the graphic. Yeah, okay. Oh. I completely forgot about that. Yeah, so he is actually writing this, this like, comic strip, like a, a political cartoon for the graphic newspaper and uh, he writes it every week nobody knows like who's writing it but it's always signed by rain or shine which is an obviously obvious play on you know his name being rainer and uh later on with the lantern he shines so i like that little little part there right there after kyle you know finds out that his his ring is like magic like aladdin's lamp he uses it to put out a giant building fire, and he rebuilds the entire building with his green energy. Flies off. That's when uh, you know they they also are starting to build the subway system of New York. Uh, this whole thing takes place in New York. Also, um, they're starting to build the subway systems, and they have to get like you know cheap labor from all the Irishmen. Okay, so he does get a date with Carol Ferris in this issue. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, good. So. And where do they go on their first date, Jim? <laughs> on their first date, they go to uh, well, a flea circus and a Chinese food restaurant, and the you know, the Statue of Liberty hand and torch. Did now is this how the Statue of Liberty was? I don't know. I was gonna look that up, but I didn't know what to type in a Google search. <laughs> Origin of the Statue of Liberty. Yeah, like the Statue of Liberty in this comic is in parts. Like it was sent over in parts and not assembled for some reason. Um, I was there's like little there's little buildings built around it. Yeah, like like tourist attractions. 
one of the things they do is they go up into the you know the torch and look out over the city. So yeah, Kyle and uh, Carol Ferris are you know they're having a good time on this date that she agreed to go on because Kyle actually signed her petition for for women to vote. He takes to a a Chinese food restaurant that nobody else knows about apparently, and uh, yeah, I guess this is the issue where the pawnbroker is killed, right? Mm, I don't think so. Ah, whatever. The pawnbroker gets killed. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, everybody knows, well, you know, Kyle has a pretty good alibi in that he was out with Carol the entire night. Um, before parting, Carol invites Kyle to a fancy dress party that her father is ha- having to try and impress other rich people. There's so much stuff that happens in this comic. It's, it's crazy. It, meanwhile, in the subway, they uh, some guy hits like a gas leak. Whoa, 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 whoa! You you passed up the part about the uh, what he figures out about his powers at the uh, the the tenement place that was on fire before. Oh right, yeah. Um, I'll get to that. I, I'm jumping <laughs> around a little bit, but there's a lot of stuff happened. So yeah, you have a bunch of miners. Uh, one guy, you know, they they figure out that there's gas, but the guy he had already started swinging his pick. It starts a spark, an explosion, and he goes up in flames. So, you know, they're all mourning their friend, and they're like, you know, wait a second. It's like we could die at any minute. You know, we, we should be making more than a nickel an hour. Now, also, Kyle had uh, – he happened to pass by that building that he had recreated with with green energy. Everybody's outside, and, you know, he's like, what happened? It's like our house fell apart. Uh, apparently, after about a day, the, the green energy just kind of started fading away into ashes – and everybody had to get out. So, like Chad says, he learned something very important that his uh, his powers have like a time limit. Then we have over to the uh, the fancy dress party. Oh, before that even, uh, we find out that Carol is engaged to Hal Jordan. Hal Jordan is an inspector uh, in this. Yeah, really, this is a complex story. There is a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, there's about four or five different stories interwoven into one towards the end. Yeah. Uh, at the fancy dress party, uh, who should make an appearance, but uh, you have Kyle Rayner, who is dancing with, uh, oh, look at that. It's Carol Ferris dressed up like the Statue of Liberty. You know, she's she's falling for him, even though she's engaged to Hal Jordan. And uh, just then, the, uh, the Bowery Green, yes, the Bowery Greens, they come in, and uh, they're going to start arresting people. Arresting? <laughs> they're going to start holding people up. It's about <laughs> a robbery. And in flies the Green Lantern, who, you know, now he has a costume. And uh, he takes them out using his ring. The Hal Jordan, you know, he's, he's irritated because uh, this Green Lantern was making time with his woman. So he's about to arrest him. But uh, Green Lantern can get out of handcuffs. You know, next day in the the newspaper, you know, he's in the paper as this masked Green Lantern who's here to save the day. The thing that I really liked about this issue, I, I mean, I liked a lot about this issue. I, I thought that it set it up perfectly. After this first issue, I, like, I'm thinking to myself, I was like, wow, this is fantastic. And I can't wait to read more. You know, which luckily I got to sit down and read this all in one sitting. It took a while, but, you know, it was definitely worth it. But, like, it's such an intelligent comic 
Like, there's so many, like, little things that are just, like, you know, just add to the atmosphere. You know, like, right in the beginning, there's a poker poker game going on between all, like, the, you know, the big movers and shakers, like Boss Tweed and, you know, all these other guys. And they're going around the table. You know, some people are folding. Some people are, you know, raising. And, you know, they're showing all of their cards. You know, one guy's got, you know, like three jacks. One guy's got, like, two pairs. And another guy has three jacks. You know, like, one guy has, like, I don't know. They all have, like, amazing hands. And in the end, like, they basically let Boss Tweed win with a pair of nines. And, you know, he basically cleans them all out, you know, with a pair of nines. And it's like, obviously... They have the cards to stay in, and they do stay in, but they, you know, it's like, oh, well, you beat me anyway. So, like, just that simple thing, it's like, it's clearly telling you that Tweed is, you know, the biggest, you know, the head of all of them, and they all let him win so that they can continue to sit at his table, you know, for the influence. Yeah, that was cool. I also, I also really liked how, um, yeah, not everybody, but a, a lot of people are in their respective roles. Like Carol Ferris is a as a advocate for women's rights. That's definitely something she would be a part of. Uh, I like how Kyle is a political cartoonist. Yes, I love that. And uh, Hal is a is a policeman, which at that time would probably be really the only thing he could be. I mean, he's he's an inspector, so he's he's kind of. He's not necessarily a direct enforcer of the law, but he's, I don't know, he's he's more standoffish kind of, you know what I'm saying? Like his his responsibilities aren't as hands-on, which is I, th- I think would be a perfect uh, place for him to be. Obviously, like, Alan Scott's a dick, you know, stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, Alan but. Scott, that's, that's really like the biggest, uh, you know, I guess mischaracterization, if you will. It's mm-hmm. almost like it's not Alan Scott at all. They're just using his name. I mean, that would be mm-hmm. a more likely scenario. What do you think of the design of the ring? Uh, I didn't like it at first until you know we'll get to it later. Okay. But the but but the uh, the addition later on yeah. made sense to me. Yeah. The the current you know the ring in the beginning is basically just like a green ring, green band with a green round gemstone in it. So you know just just a green ring that could pass for anything. Uh, the the lantern is simple enough design as well. Yeah, um, the uh, the lantern actually looks like an actual, like an actual lantern. Mm-hmm. Like the, it's it's it, it looks like a old school Coleman lantern with like the glass dome over it and everything. So. Yeah, in this it it looks very much like Hal Jordan is you know like a stand up type character, except when you like interfere with him and his his woman he's got he's he's a nice guy for the most part and when he sees the cops acting corrupt or whatever he he steps in and you know tries to you know say hey you know act right um but he's got his he's got his personality flaws you when you push a certain button he becomes a douchebag yeah i like i like looking at all like the the backgrounds stuff the art in this is fantastic i mean like they put so much thought into the backgrounds like it was the you know, one page in, you just have like this this city block, 
you know, with all these awnings and buildings and everything like that, it's 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 pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Later on, you have Barnum's Congress of Anomalies that Kyle goes into, looking for answers for the. Uh, yeah, I know what you're going for. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Aladdin's lamp. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> which. Oh, what which which is even better though is is the fact that the next the next artifact in the museum you see is a meteor, which is where the star heart comes from. Yeah, yeah, and uh, with Green Lantern. His uh, original name was going to be something along the lines of Al Adin or something like that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, there's, there's a lot of, like, you know, cool little things like that peppered in throughout. I'm trying. I'm looking up. Uh, I've actually – I own the uh, the two archive editions. I believe that's all there that exists of the Golden Age Green Lantern. Yeah. And the 24-hour time limit, actually, yeah, that started with Alan Scott. So that's that's part of it. The costume is obviously a, a throwback to Alan Scott. Yeah. When he's when he gets the ring, like and he's flying for the first time, it he, it looks like he's flying in green flame, which is indicative of Alan Scott. And I've I've got the first archive edition here in front of me, and I can't seem to find any point where Alan actually makes any constructs. So I'm guessing that for the most part, this is supposed to be indicative of Alan Scott more than it is Hal Jordan, except when it comes to constructs. Well, yeah, it's it's emerging. You know, it's it's a combination of of a bunch of them. Yeah, I like how they they throw in uh, Aster and Vanderbilt in the backgrounds as you know, just random rich characters. Yeah. In this, they show that. Like the the costume is like inspired by a character from a play Faust that Kyle had gone to. He has like a poster in his room, so he uh, he just dressed up as that. Now, the only the only reason I know the name Faust is from the comics is the magician. Yeah, no, it's actually a, a very famous play. Oh, it is about a guy that bargained with the devil. I didn't I didn't look that up. That's cool. Okay, so why don't you take the second issue? Okay. Issue issue two, we find uh, that Kyle has been using his powers in broad daylight and everything. He's, he's just going bald to the wall superhero now, for the most part. But it's more of an urban hero, like just helping out the people, which I like. And he's uh, he's digging the uh, the subway for the, uh, the workers. They're standing by, just chilling, watching him dig this with this huge construct contraption. And... Um, we find out that uh, we, you know, skip over to Alan Scott. He's in jail, and uh, you know, Boss Tweed, uh, Boss Tweeter House. Someone has hired someone inside the prison to go after Alan, so they stab him uh, in the middle of a fight. And then we flash over to a funeral for the guy who died in the explosion uh, while they were digging the gas or digging the subway. Carol's back on the steps of the of the uh, library asking for signs for her petition to vote and when the a young uh a, a young guy named james who is like uh kyle's assistant as when it comes to his penciling or whatever is coming up and killing carol it's you know they need to meet um flash over to the boss tweed and everybody and they're basically talking about the new green lantern and everything and basically to to sum up their whole thing, to to read from what they actually say, 
life is just like poker. Once the people think they've got a hero, we're finished. So they're talking about Green Lantern and how to, you know, quell that uh, inspiration that he's, you know, putting the people. Uh, Carol goes and meets Kyle and she, you know, snatches up his hand and says, I know you're Green Lantern. And he, he goes after her. James is delivering an, a new a new uh, here every week, you know, rain or shine political cartoon to the to the guy uh, at uh, uh, the graphic newspaper and uh, let slip that the guy that Kyle's Kyle uh, is the first name of the cartoonist who's doing this. Up till now, they he's doing it under the pen name Rain or Shine. No one knows who it is, and that's in part to protect him because Boss Tweed reads the paper. So uh, then we flash over to Carol coming with uh, Kyle and uh, to his place, uh, and he's showing her the lantern, explaining how everything works, and then she finds his his uh, collection of political cartoons, and you know there's that reveal that he's the he's Rain or Shine. And then she finds a nudie picture of her that he drew, and they kiss for the first time and all that. Uh, Hal pays a visit to Alan Scott in the uh, the infirmary with the uh, with a you know a nun there, and basically threatens him into working for the police and everything uh, to take down uh, Green Lantern and and Kyle Rayner. Um, so so Alan's Alan's cool with that. Him and his buddies get released. And, uh, like Jim said, there's a lot of stories in here, so it's a lot of jumping around. But, um, next thing we see, Kyle is a lifeguard <laughs> using his, using his abilities to cr- basically create a pool in the middle of the street. Cause I guess this all takes place during the summer. Hal is, is in, uh, in Kyle's apartment and he's waiting for him. He sees the lantern, but doesn't make any connection or anything. And then we flash over to Carol, who's at the library trying to figure out how Kyle's power works. Uh, then we see Kyle doing some stuff, cleaning up uh, an area in the in the neighborhood, making a park, and his power fizzles out. And he's a little surprised and figures out that you know he, even his magic has limits. Then we we see him walking walking back home, and he gets decked by Hal, who warns him to stay away from Carol. And uh, while all this is going on, the workers who had been digging the subway system have basically started. Uh, started to uh, protest and everything and they're asking for higher wages i believe they're only getting paid a nickel an hour uh and they're working 12 hour days in the heat so they start uh asking the whole thing turns violent um everyone's fighting the police when uh kyle shows up and does what kyle rainer does even these days and puts a suit of armor around himself (laughs) and uh starts fighting all the the police officers he's He's not so much uh, taking them out as he is taking their guns away, basically removing them from the equation. So then, uh, you know, he he dumps the, the cops away from the the people and starts stops that whole riot. Carol's having dinner with Cal, with Hal, and she basically gives him the ring back and says we're done. And then we flash over to Alan, uh, who's been uh, sent over to the publisher of the paper who does the uh political comics against tweed because hal is an employee now of tweed and now scott is uh, an employee of hal so they through that chain of events have sent him after the publisher they kill him and then burn the place down <laughs> and then we then we flash over to uh 
to Alan, who's at a bar, runs into an old man, and apparently this old man, uh, who's one of the, one of the Irish immigrants, apparently he he this isn't the first time he's heard of the Green Lantern, and we get the origin of Green Lantern and his powers. Apparently, the the Green Lantern is from the Leprechaun King, and he uh he chipped off a, a sliver of the old Blarney Stone, <laughs> and offered it as a uh as a ring to the king of the time. And then he fashioned a lantern. <laughs> uh, and that's that's my Irish accent intimidation. Yeah. Or imitation. I, hey, it's better than Jamaican. <laughs> and uh, that's when this uh, old bum who Alan's been buying drinks to get this story out of him shows that he's got a necklace made of piece, a sliver of the... Uh, of the Blarney Stone, and it's it's a uh, it's like in an hourglass uh, shape, and that um, Alan it reveals later in the issue that Alan killed the guy for it um, and took it from him. Kyle's uh, trying to uh, he he arrives at the the scene where the the paper's burning down, finds no one. Uh, he never found Mr. Carson. There's nothing he can do. There's no one there. So he just, I guess he lets the building on, you know, burn down. Then we see James, the kid, uh, and, who helps Kyle. And he goes upstairs with his mom to find that Alan is waiting for them. We don't figure out why till later. Um, he sends James after both Kyle and Carol and tells them that they told one another to meet at a certain place where Alan has set up a bomb in in the, uh, the the digging area, the work area for the subway. When when uh, he sees Carol down there, Hal goes after Alan, and then Alan, you know, they scuffle around a bit, and they get throw him over the side. And as Alan's rushing to warn them, they set off the bomb, and Kyle sets up a shield for him and Carol. But you know he's uh, uh, Hal is too far away, but he is alive, and they decide to take him to the hospital. But because Alan has the necklace that the old bum had around his his neck, he's now got it on his tie. And because of his proximity to Kyle, the, we end with a panel of the the gem on the tie of Alan Scott starting to glow, and that's the end of that. In this issue, I think, uh, I mean, I still liked it a lot, but I mean, it did get a little, like, a bit much as far as all the plot lines, like, really, really bubbling up in this one. Yeah, too many, uh, like, in the first one, each plot line had at least, like, two or three pages devoted to fleshing it out, and it was more spaced, Mm -hmm. and this one you had, like, two or three times when it would go to, like, just one page of dialogue from yeah. each plot line. Yeah. Or like, even like the, when, uh, Hal went to go see Alan in the infirmary and it's mm-hmm. like, it's like mixed with panels from the, uh, the guys that were playing to unionize. Mm-hmm. I like the, uh, <laughs> I like the pool scene. That was fun. I really wish they would do that more in the current series. I'm, it's all big picture right now. It's all, you know, fighting aliens or threats or like, you know, when Kyle first got his ring, he would do this kind of stuff. 
in the original Kyle Rayner series. I'm like, yeah, I still want to see this cosmic space stuff, but at the same time, I would like to see, you know, the hero of, of the people too, you know? Yeah. So now you're going to have to promise not to do your Irish accent again. <laughs> what did you think of the origin? Why do I have to promise not to do it again? You're the one that fucks it up with the whole Jamaican thing. Oh God, it's painful <laughs> listening to you do that. <laughs> what you call it? Well, the, the th- at least I'm doing. I'm doing. I'm trying to be true. <laughs> the the thing that I love about this is that the origin is like being told by a ga- a guy named Martin. It's like That's to true. quote Martin here knows all there is to know about him, and it's like it's like this is clearly Martin O'Dell. The guy that created Green Lantern, and there would be nobody that knows more than him. That's true. Except they turned Martin O'Dell into a drunk. <laughs> well, yeah, but, but before, but I mean, like the point of it is that he's the storyteller. That's true. And then the king that that the ring is made for, <laughs> King Harold, aka King Hal. Mm-hmm. That's great. Now, what do, what do you? Th- I mean, I like like for for the rest of the story. Obviously, you know it's an Irish legend. Mm-hmm. But what do you? Besides the fact that it connects to the, the the period, what do you think of it being a piece of the Blarney Stone from Leprechauns and all that? I mean, like that's that's fine, especially because, like you said, it does connect to to the whole, you know the population being, you know, there's so many Irish, you know, you have this, this person standing up for, you know, the common man who is primarily Irish, you know, to have like an Irish, you know, folk hero, it makes a lot of sense. Not to mention, you know, the leprechaun, the whole concept of the leprechaun is associated with the guardians. Mm-hmm. So, well, from Gantt's tale, that's where, we, that's what we got. Yeah. So, I mean, like, the only thing that is, like, you know, I guess a slightly, um, it's like, well, you know, how did that come about? But this, like, this old drunk actually has a sliver of the Blarney Stone, Mm -hmm. you know? But again, it's Martin O'Dell, so who else would have it? (laughs) Well, not only that, but, okay, like like I was saying, you know, I have the Alan Scott stuff, that Alan Scott, the the original thing was it was a meteor, Mm -hmm. And then it was turned into a lamp, and then it was turned into a lantern. And part of you see the the king, or the, one of the leprechauns, making a lantern, a green lantern. And then you see, you know, that part of the power comes from a piece of the stone. And the stone, it looks like a meteor to me, you know. Yeah, it does. It, it definitely it's, does. It's 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 like another little subtle tie-in. Or not so subtle tie into the Alan Scott origin. Well, also if you look at the the Leprechaun, it's like they all have hair exactly like the Guardians. Mm-hmm. Even in like the little background pic where the King is presenting it to the King. Mm-hmm. So. And that 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 scene where the Leprechaun is making the battery reminds me of that cover where Ganthet's making his battery. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And. Like, to be honest, I like this necklace. Like, if they made a prop of that, like, I, I think I'd probably get that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I do like that. Uh, it's And for anybody that's, you know, not looking at it, it's, uh, it's it almost looks like an hourglass. 
like a like a pointy hourglass. Which comes into play later. Yes. Now I don't know why does his power ring junk out on him when he's cleaning up that park? Because it's twenty four hours later. No, oh, is it? Yeah, that's how he that's how he knows that you know his his ring has you know he's like well the last time I recharged was you know yesterday at you know such and such time o'clock I must have twenty four hours. Mm, okay, yeah, that's 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 his thought process right before Hal decks him. Mm-hmm. So, what was with the uh, little lettering on the wall? The Z's, is is that just supposed to be graffiti he's trying to clean up or what? Oh no, I took that as like that was like the the sound of everything fizzling out. Oh, okay. Anything else? No, just that like uh, you know it's. It, it is interesting that he had to go to, through that thought process, you know, to to figure out later, you know, that he actually did just have 24 hours. Yeah. You want to you want to take number three? Yeah. Issue three, featuring both Green Lanterns, the Kyle Rayner Green Lantern and the Alan Scott Green Lantern. Uh, although you wouldn't know that it was Alan Scott if you looked at the cover, you would think it would be more Gar- Guy Gardner-ish. Yeah. Which, I have to say, that is something that I, I, I picked up on. Like, the Alan Scott character seems very much more related to Guy Gardner. In terms of, like, you know, like, not that Guy Gardner would go around, like, murdering people and stuff like that, but just, like, temperament-wise. Yeah. I, yeah, I definitely think that he would have fit better with Guy Gardner. So we start off with uh, Kyle and Carol. They're taking Hal off to the hospital. And uh, that little chip of the Blarney Stone that Hal, that Alan Scott had gotten uh, starts reacting, and Alan creates a costume for himself. And he's wondering, what should he do with this little fragment that he has? He doesn't want to go with a ring. Um, that's, you know, too girly-ish for him. Uh, he doesn't want to go for a watch fob, because uh, that would be too, uh, too high scale. But then he realizes, ah, oh, perfect, a walking stick. That's perfect for a Bowery Green. Carol goes to check on Hal, who's in the hospital, and uh, says, I'll always love you, but only as a friend. And, uh, what you call it, the Jimmy, the guy that had been uh, assisting Kyle with his art, he was badly beaten by Alan, even after he had done what Alan had said and you know, gotten Carol and Kyle to go to the the subway station. But uh, he was beaten pretty badly, so now he's going to be a cripple. Uh, So Kyle, you know, he feels really bad about that. Alan, he he knew now that, he figured it out from the last issue, that Kyle was Green Lantern. So he made a beeline to Kyle's flat to get his his power battery, as his you know, actual lantern so that he could recharge and, you know, power up. <laughs> then meanwhile, Kyle and Carol decide to uh, sneak into her, what, what, is it, what are they, what's the term? Boudoir? Boudoir? Boudoir. Boudoir. And, uh... <laughs> bow, chicka, bow, wow. Yes, yes, we'll, we'll go with that. <laughs> um, meanwhile, the... The guys that were, uh, you know, trying to unionize, they, uh, they're, you know, rioting outside one of the big, big boss guys, uh, doors, Van Dyke, 
and uh, it gets violent, and all these people are like, you know, fighting with the cops and whatnot. Meanwhile, they sneak out the back. Kyle, uh, you know, he, he heads home, uh, finds out that Alan now has a, you know, a source of power also, and he stole the lantern. Uh, yeah, so Kyle, you know, he realizes, okay, well, I, I, I recharged my battery, you know, yesterday at 7 at night. I have eight hours to find the battery, otherwise I'm going to be out of juice. So, you know, he goes on a search. You have Alan, he's, you know, going all over town. He's trying to, you know, cause ruckus and whatnot with his, his new powers. And uh, Hal Jordan comes in. And, you know, he's, you know, badly burned. He's, you know, not doing good at all. But, uh, you know, he says to Alan, he's like, you know, you got to lay off Kyle. He's like, you know, basically thinking, it's like, you know what? He saved my life. He's not such a bad guy. You know, you got to lay off. But at this point, Alan is completely out of his control because now he has his own power source. And uh, he uses that power source to kill Hal. And we flash over to Carol and Kyle. Kyle proposes to Carol. And uh, it's going to be a quickie wedding, or so they hope. (laughs) Uh, There's rioting in the streets from the unionizers. Alan goes and robs a bank. (laughs) The wedding is just about to take place, like, basically that same day, uh, within that eight-hour period that Kyle has to search for the battery. And just before he can actually, you know, go through with the marriage, you know, he gets called away because he has to, you know, somebody's got to save these these people that are fighting, you know, they're fighting with the cops and, you know, it's just, it's not a, such a good situation. The, the leader of the, you know, people planning to unionize was murdered by uh, Carol's father. So, you know, that now the people are even angrier and, you know, they, they just... At least the one guy, he was he would listen to reason, and you know he had clear goals. But now without him, it's like everybody's just really angry. Nobody's been getting paid right, and they all just want revenge. You know, so now you know you got fight scenes between Kyle and uh, you know the Alan. You know, Kyle is like, you know, listen, you know, you guys got to stop, but they're not listening. But he's fighting Alan. They uh, make their way to. I don't know if it's, uh, it's probably... Central? Yes. Central Park. Yeah, my brain just froze for a second. Yeah, I I think it's Central Park. But, uh, (laughs) one of the artifacts in Central Park is the head of the Statue of Liberty, apparently. (laughs) And it's another tourist attraction. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're fighting in this park, and Alan, you know, he uses his walking stick again as like a, a shiv and he stabs Kyle and Kyle is, you know, he's like, Oh, this is not good. I'm, you know, probably going to be a goner here. But before he dies, he creates like an energy pyramid around Alan and gradually it starts shrinking with Alan in it until it shrinks inside the ring itself. thereby trapping Alan within the ring. And he uses the the chunk of the Blarney Stone that Alan had, (laughs) and he merges it with his own ring, thereby creating something that looks like an actual Green Lantern ring. And he charges up, 
and now with the power that he has from his ring and the other sliver, he can store more power. So he goes around, he grabs all the pieces of the Statue of Liberty that have been strewn around everywhere, and he reassembles them all on Ellis Island as the, the full Statue of Liberty. Now he's doing like this with his, his dying energy. He reignites the the lamp, the uh, the torch that the Statue of Liberty carries, and he creates like a huge megaphone and tells people that you know they have to listen to reason, they have to go home, they have to you know do things organized, you know otherwise it's you know it's just going to destroy everything and you know nobody's going to get what they want. And he crashes back to Earth, you know just near Carol. And uh, as he's dying, you know, with his dying wish, it's like, you know, I love you, and I want you to have this ring. So it's almost like he's he's conceptually marrying her with his dying breath. And the ring that he uses to wed her is the Green Lantern ring. So he dies, and uh, it's like, like you said, it's right around 1888. You know, at this point, James is, you know, growing up the assistant. He's doing much better now. He's carrying on the tradition of rain or shine, uh, painting his paintings on walls everywhere. Boss Tweed is in the prisons, um, but, you know, he's super rich and he still has a lot of influence. <laughs> so he, uh, he gets basically whatever he wants in there. Carol is still at the steps trying to get people to sign up for, for voting, but she's doing it much better now because... She's also getting people to sign up to join the union, and she's actually paying, you know, certain people's, like, first month dues of a nickel. And then when they sign sign up for the union, she also has them sign the petition for voting without realizing it. <laughs> and then at night, she, uh, she patrols as a female Green Lantern. She carries on the tradition for Kyle. And the end is yet to be written. So they say. So what'd you think? I liked it. I wish Kyle didn't have to die, but uh, I, I kind of figured that he would. Yeah, there's too much shit happening for him not to get screwed over by somebody. I mean, like, he he had a good grasp on the ring. The only way I thought that he was going to live through this was either he was going to use the magic of the ring to heal him, or... His willpower was going to be that much greater than Alan's, which would have been nice. It would have been nice to see him live, but uh, like I said, I didn't think that he was going to live through this. And you know, I think it's nice that Carol carries on the tradition as like as a female Green Lantern. I like. I mean, obviously, I, we don't we didn't look at the history of the Statue of Liberty, but I like the visual of it just being a giant statue in the middle of a of an island. Like there's no there's no base built around it or anything. It's just a statue on an island. <laughs> yeah, I was looking at that and I'm like, I don't know the logistics of that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's like, how are they gonna you know build a <laughs> like a, a gift stand around that? Yeah. <laughs> what do you think of the story overall? Overall, I liked it a lot. I, I mean, I thought that this was you know very clever. I, you know, I. I wouldn't say that this is as epic as the, you know, Arabian Nights um, tale, the 1001 Emerald, Emerald Nights. Nights. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
but uh, but this this was a fantastic story. I, I mean, like the amount of history that that went into this, the, the amount of like plotting, because there are a lot of stories, and and really like I think that you you could probably get more out of this by you know reading it over and over again, like just to to help keep track of all the different stories. Would you call this the redemption of Howard Jakin? Well, for a Green Lantern fan, absolutely. Because, I mean, like, Howard Chaikin, I, I would say he doesn't really need redemption if you read anything else that he's done. It was just that one particular story that, you know, he told a Guy Gardner story and, you know, he just wasn't, it, it didn't fit anywhere in what was going on with Green Lantern. So it's just, you know, he, he told a story that he wanted to tell and it didn't really fit. Um, this, he told a story that he wanted to tell, it didn't have to fit, because it's an Elseworlds tale. And it's a period piece. Exactly. I, I love this. I thought this was fantastic. I, I love how he merged the, you know, the, the sliver of the Blarney Stone with the ring, and all of a sudden now it is the Green Lantern symbol. Mm-hmm. I love, I love Alan Scott's costume. You know, I like that James' assistant took, you know, took on the role of, uh, you know, doing the rain or shine. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's funny. I think it, yeah, it's funny how one of the first things Alan does with the ring is rob a bank. <laughs> it's, it's just so you know, it's so old school. You know, like that's what they would do. They would just go rob a bank. The art in this is it's really it's gorgeous art. It's really just absolutely gorgeous art. The whole thing is just fantastic. I mean, like, this is this is definitely, a, like, a, a really solid series. I mean, like I said, there's so much thought put into this. There's so much going on. Like, this whole thing, like, took me at least, like, an hour and a half to read, like, all three issues. I, I think it, it probably took between an hour and a half and two hours to re- just read these three, three issues, which they're prestige format. You know, they're a little bit bigger than a regular issue. But, uh... And no ads. No ads too. No, this is great, I, and it's it's cool seeing Carol in the costume at the end. Like that's that's your last page reveal. Mm-hmm. It's uh, as she, as she's flying, you can see the Statue of Liberty with the you know the green flame still still flashing in the background. I like I like that she's her costume is almost exactly like Kyle's, but if you look closely, her belt has got the Green Lantern symbol on it. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. That's, that's nice. Oh, and apparently they uh, built uh, the base for the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you got to sell your your, your things <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> but uh, a question I have, what do you think of it being three issues? Does that work for you? Could it have been longer? Could it have been shorter? Or is this just perfect? Um, and I guess I guess to go along with that, was the story split up and well enough into three issues? Like, you know, if you, because uh, both of us read this back to back to back, but do you think if buying one issue at a time as they came out, it would have worked for you? Let me see. Uh, first issue. First issue, we got the origin and it ends on Hal saying, I'm going to take down Green Lantern. Yeah. Well, yeah, not even that, just like, how the first issue set everything up. Like by the end of it, like I said, I was, I was definitely looking forward to more. Um, okay. 
with the second issue, you know, you, you have the explosion and you have Alan, you know, with the, the glowing piece of the, uh, the sliver of the Blarney stone, mm-hmm. you know, that's like, you know, it's like, Oh God, it's like, you know, you gotta know what happens next. Um, with the third issue, like the way you have her, you know, flying off like that, like I would love to keep reading ish, you know, stories based in this universe. Mm-hmm. You know, because cause now, you know, you, you still have, you know, Tweed with his influence. You know, you still have Carol fighting for women to get the power to vote. You know, there, there's still going to be corruption and lots of things for the Green Lantern to do. They're still building the subway system. You know, it's it's such an interesting period to put superheroes in. It's and it, like you, how many times do we get superheroes? you know, coming from, from that particular time period. I yeah. mean, I'm sure that there are people doing it, but, like, you know, that's, like, indie stuff and not that easy to find. So, I mean, like, I, if they if they said, hey, you know what, we're going to make, you know, we're going to make an Elseworlds, you know, series, and, you know, each month you get to vote for which Elseworlds tale you want us, like, to write a continuing issue from. Like, you know, I would vote for this, like, you know, right away. Uh, I had trouble with the series. I liked it. Overall, I liked it. I didn't have a problem with really anything. The only problem I had was just based on my own personal history. Like, growing up when when I was in high school or whatever, and we had to learn about this time period, it just bored the hell out of me when I was a kid. So so reading something set in that time period, I had a little bit of a, a deep-seated bias against it. So it was it was harder for me to enjoy, but uh, but taking it at face value for what it is for the art, I I, I think it's good. Someone told me it sucked, but I don't see how they could have gotten that. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, I guess if you completely hate the period, or if like <laughs> you got a call while watching Gangs of New York that <laughs> someone very close to you had passed away. And you just, like, associate, like, you know, intense negative feelings to that, you know, kind of period. I will I will say the only thing I didn't like is how confusing it kind of it, – for the, the all the different storylines that were going on. It was a little confusing for me for, towards the beginning. For Between Carol – the specific confusing part was it was hard for me to distinguish – what was going on with Carol's father and Boss Tweed. Like, all that seemed to run together for me. Well, I, I mean, for the most part, I understood it. it. It was like Ferris had made his money, you know, from the war. He came into his wealth later on in life. And the only thing that he wanted, basically, was to be respected by the people that had money. And the people that had money were people that were basically born with money. So it's very much like Titanic with Kathy Bates. Do you remember Titanic? What are you talking about? I've, I've seen, yeah, I've seen the movie. But Well, in that movie, you had the character of Kathy Bates, who was this, like, you know, nouveau riche character who had just come into money. And, you know, now all of a sudden, like, she's trying to, you know make her way into, like, high society using just her money. And people in high society, it's like, yeah, it's not just about being, you know, 
Just it's not just about having money. It's about you know having money and knowing how to act in that society from birth. Uh, and that's that's what Ferris wanted. Yeah, you're basically acting like you always had money. Right. So Ferris would do anything to to get that. So he would, you know, he was, you know, wheeling and dealing and dealing with, uh, you know, Alan Scott and and Hal Jordan to, you know, to get his way. So if you find Green Lantern Evil's Might in the store, should they pick it up for for cover price at least? For cover price, um... Because these are six bucks a piece. Six bucks a piece. Yeah, that's... It's expensive, but it's a, it's a very worthwhile comic. So, um... Yeah, yeah. You know what? I, I would I would definitely advise that. Because if I, if they came out with a trade of this for, like, 18 bucks, you know, I, I would say get it. Uh, if you can find it cheaper, though... You know, because, like, this... This wasn't, like, uh anything that special as far as collectability goes. So I would I would imagine you could find this cheaper online or, you know, in, in a comic book store or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, if you could find this for, like, half price, $3 an issue, then, like, you know, absolutely buy it. This is this is definitely, I think, one of the better written Elseworlds out there. I don't have much exposure to Elseworlds, um, except for what we've already reviewed in a few trades out there, like Red Sun and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But... I liked it. I mean, I didn't... What's funny is, whenever I would go to the comic book shop, because there's about three of them here in town, and only two of them sell um, back-issue stuff, whenever I would see this in the back-issue bins, I would always pass it over. Because the cover, the cover just did not appeal to me at all. But as I was reading this, and the more and more I just kind of stared at the cover for a while, it started to, it started to grow on me. Yeah, I have to say, like, I bought this when it came out, and I did not read it. Like, because that was, that was the time period where, like, they could have put out basically anything, and I was going to buy a Green Lantern just because I wanted them to keep on making more Green Lantern stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the first time that I've actually sat down and read the whole thing, you know, front to back. And, uh, yeah, this was great. I, I like, I really do like the coloring. You know, I, I think, I think that definitely, like, propelled it. I guess. Yeah, pretty much the only sharp colors in the book, because everything else is kind of, I don't know. I guess not. I don't want to say dull, but you know, it's 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 almost like you're, uh, like, say someone took uh, uh an old school, like, uh, Dorothy something, you know, like Wizard of Oz black and white in the beginning, the movie image, and colored it after the fact. But the only sharp, sharp colors are when he's using the Green Lantern ring. Yeah, yeah. I like how the, uh, you know, like, the blacks in this are drawn, like, not reflective. Yeah, they're just a deep black. Yeah, for the most part, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very much like the you know the current series the way they draw black, the uh, you know I think uh, Ben Skyver does a lot of that. Well, I don't know if he was the first one to do it, but actually yeah, might have been this guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. Anyway, yeah, overall very good. So, 
Corwin, if you're listening, this is something to put in your uh, Elseworlds lantern cast bind. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Um, hold on one second. I want to check something really quick. Okay. Yeah, from what I'm looking at, it it, it sounds like with the Statue of Liberty, because I, I had to look this up, it sounds like it came over in parts and... The you know America had to build the pedestal for it. They they basically said it's like we're gonna give you the statue, but you have to create the pedestal. And you know due to you know money shortages here and there and whatnot, the you know funding for the you know the pedestal uh, ended up taking a, like a long time. So here we had the Statue of Liberty in parts, but uh, no pedestal to put it on. Until you know they finally were able to raise enough money and, and reassemble the whole thing. So I guess it's appropriate that uh, all you saw was the torch and the head, because really, what other part would you go visit? <laughs> <laughs> I guess perverts might go through the, the dress, <laughs> taking pictures of themselves. Yeah, look where I am. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got in the Statue of Liberty's pants. <laughs> Toga, toga, toga. Oh man. <laughs> all right, well, that's that's all of evil's might. You want to close out the episode? Yeah, sure. Let's see. If you want to get in touch with us, you can uh, email us at lanterncast.com. Uh, wait. God. <laughs> <laughs> I just. Well, they can't. They can email us at lanterncast.com. It's well, they Jim, can... Dan, Chad, yeah, Jason, right. or James at lanterncast.com. Yes, or lanterncast at gmail.com. The website is lanterncast.com. The voicemail number is 206-202-1159. We have uh, a forum, uh, a Facebook page. We have a Twitter. It's, uh, it's all available through our website, or just go to Twitter and type in lanterncast. We're available on iTunes, and... Ah, man. We just need to end this episode so that, that I can go... You know, listen to old episodes and remember how to actually record a podcast again. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, everybody. I promise next episode will be better. I just have no idea. Whoa, 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 whoa. What the – you you threw yourself under the bus and then you threw in a we in there and threw me under the bus with you. What do you mean we? You'll be better, not me. I'm excellent. Sure, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'll <laughs> – hey. I'm living up to uh, to John's little post on the forums where he says I'm Green Lantern because I'm a little bit cocky. Okay. Oh. Hey, you're Superman. I don't know what you're sighing about. Yeah, you're not Superman. Sorry. <laughs> okay, that's it. That's it for us, everybody. So long. Bye. What's up? Hey, boyo. <laughs> uh, are you gonna Are you gonna try a, an Irish accent again with these issues? I just might, man. <laughs> 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 but I do feel bad for James having to listen to twenty six minutes of recording and not have it, and like just having to cut all of this out. <laughs> He's gonna be like.
Bloody hell. <laughs> I couldn't just stop recording at the beginning of the episode. Uh, I'm sure he's going to have a lot of fun laughing at our impersonations of uh, Irish accent. And yes, I said R, James. Oh. Plural. Hey, we didn't, we didn't say goodnight. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs>